in ways that we don't understand, in ways that we can't stop. There are moments in um, the existence of our lives when a, a large community cries out and the rest of the body feels it. I don't know about you, but um, I was unable to watch the news um, on Friday. I just couldn't do it. I, I was, I'm not affected by, I don't know any of the people that were there. My family lived in Connecticut years ago, but I don't know anyone who was there. I'm not uh, attached to anyone, victim, survivor, whatever. Um, but my heart hurt for them deeply. I have a five-year-old and a little girl who will turn seven on December 20th. I couldn't help but think of them. I couldn't help but think of the children in our schools around here. Stacy Smith, who is, um, runs the show around here, but she also is a teacher at the junior school. That's Mrs. Smith to those of you at the junior school. Um, she said that she has never seen the staff verbally, or not verbally, uh, like physically shaken. She said you could see it in the staff at the junior school, that it was just different and they were shaken. It's, it's these moments when, when evil makes itself known. When evil moves into this world in such a way that we know it's there, but we like to pretend that it doesn't happen to us, that we like to skirt it under, sweep it under the rug, and, and we just like to pretend that evil doesn't exist. But there are those moments in history when it rears its ugly head and we're left asking, why? How? It seems like it, it happens um, more and more these days. Maybe it's because of the, the society in which we live, the news cycle that never stops. But maybe it's just because of the society that we live in. You may remember um, a few weeks ago the tragedy that happened with the Kansas City Chiefs and one of their players. It was on Monday um, after, after this that Bob Costas on the Monday Night Football gave this op-ed talk um, at halftime. And he said essentially that gun control is going to be the thing that solves these problems. And it really irritated me. Not because I'm a gun owner, um, which I am. Um, I like to invite him to my house. Just kidding. But because I think he misses the point. Because I think there's a gaping wound in our society and he wants to put a little band-aid on it. Legislation isn't what's going to fix the world. Advent is going to fix the world. Not the advent of a little baby boy that was born 2,000 years ago. Yes, that's part of it. But the advent of the coming of the kingdom of God. The second coming of Jesus Christ. When he says, I'll be back to bring restoration to all things. But in the meantime... So in Luke chapter 3, we opened uh, last week with John the Baptist, JTB, as he is uh, preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. And in verse 7, it says this, Here, 
was a sample of John's preaching to the crowds that came for baptism. You brood of snakes. Who warns you to flee the coming of God's judgment? Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say we're safe. We're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowd asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two coats, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? Show your honesty, he replied. Make sure you collect no more taxes than the Roman government requires you to. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money. And don't accuse people of things you know they didn't do. And be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the grain with his winnowing fork. Then... He will clean up the threshing area, storing the grain in his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Now, When John comes, his message to the people last week we talked about was what? Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, we talked about, was to turn away from something, but to turn to something else. It's not just to turn away from some darkness, but it is to turn to a light. In other words, if you ask God to remove something from your life, don't stop there. Ask God to fill you back with something of him. You don't just leave it as taking yourself away because when you do, Jesus says this, all that's going to happen is more demons are going to fill the hole that you just prayed about. So when you turn away from something, you need to turn to something. And what John the Baptist comes here to say is is this. How do you do that? What does that look like? You have two coats. Give one away. You have extra food. Give it to people who are hungry. If you're only looking out for yourselves, stop it. It's not just about you. It's about us. It's about community. It's about the body. What John the Baptist was essentially saying is he was preparing the way for Jesus, even in his ministry. Jesus' ministry, his message was, love God, love others. When the question was asked of Jesus what the most important um, commandment was, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And just as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. He puts it out before us what we are to do. 
to love one another. Now, the, the tax collectors of the time, a lot of times, were, were getting rich, filthy rich, off of just sticking it to their friends and their relatives and fellow Jews. The soldiers at the time were doing the same thing. They were going in and they were accusing people of some crime that they didn't commit only to get money from them. There was this corrupt society and what it was about was living for yourself. What it was about was was looking only at yourself and your own needs and saying this is all that matters. And what John the Baptist was trying to prepare us for was to hear this message of Christ that it's not about you. It's about us. It's about us. Now we go through these times in our world that we experience uh, these, these dark pains. And some of you, as Daryl said, probably came in here and it's Christmas and we're looking for that. You know, the Advent wreath is going to be um, lit and we're going to sing some Christmas carols and it's going to be great. And we're going to hear from Luke chapter 2 and... Um, You know, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were sore afraid. I love that uh, line. Um, I bring you great news. And yeah, that's part of it. But sometimes there's the flip side. I have to tell you, my mind has just been going this weekend. On Friday, um, you know, I wake up and there's the news going on and and I'm trying to to get a, a hold on it. And then I try to just separate myself from it. And I had a funeral later that afternoon. Um, it was a man who was born in 1928. He fought in World War II. He lived a long time. He has two sons who each have families. And they each have sons. And, and it's this big family who loved him so deeply. He was a man. They kept saying he was about family. And, and it was just this, this picture of we're sending him off to be with our mom again. We're sending him back to his creator that the things that he's been suffering are no longer happening. It's one of those funerals that as a pastor, I'm blessed to be a part of this moment when we send someone to be in the arms of their creator at the same time though. I'm thinking of these kids. I don't know how many of you heard the president's speech that he gave on Friday. I only heard a brief snippet of it, but what I heard was just amazing. And I don't care what you think of the president. What he said at this time was, um, there were these people who needed to have more birthdays. And they needed to have graduation. And to get married. And to have anniversaries. And to experience the birth of their children. And he said something to the effect of, this has got to stop. And what I thought of at that moment was, and we're the ones to do it. We, the body of Christ, the people who have taken on the mantle, the people who have chosen to follow him, those of us who understand that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, those of us who have taken this promise of eternal life, we are the ones who can stop this. We are the ones who need to take on this burden of loving God and loving others and realize that it's not even a burden. That when you begin to operate in such a way that you give of yourself, it is amazing. And you experience the joys in life much greater than you do otherwise. 
So Friday we go through the singing, and then Saturday it's Grace turns seven on 20, but we had on December 20th, but we had a birthday party yesterday. And we go to this place called Sharky's um, over there across from Bike World. And there's a bunch of her little friends from, um, from school that are there. And, uh, and so it's all these girls, and they get to paint their nails. Um, their, their toe, they get mani-pedis. Um, they put on these little princess gowns, and then they have a fashion show. Um, and for those of you who, who don't know Grace, she's the one who just burst down the aisle who doctors said she may never walk. Um, who, one doctor uh, eventually said, I'm never going to bet against Grace Crocker. Because every time I say she's not going to do something, she does it. I need to call him and tell him there's a couple of things you, you need to say she's not going to do. <laughs> but we experience this joy in, in, in seven years. This is her seventh um, birthday party, she's never blown out a candle. Because it's just not there. It doesn't connect. But it did yesterday. And it's a simple thing that we take for granted. That you just, I remember blowing out candles with my nose. Y'all didn't have the cake. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But then you see this child who you care so much for experience this. And the place went nuts. All of her friends, but then our friends who came to support her as well. It was just this greatness. And we got to move and it's in those moments where we leave and we're just like, oh. Jen and I are in tears. Thank you, God, that she blew out her candle. Thank you, God, that she put a dress on and that she stood in line and waited her turn to come out and to be introduced. Thank you that she had her first time getting her nails painted and she sat there and was really excited about it. Thank you that she's experiencing these things that we long for her to experience. But then we go over to um, her great-grandmother's house afterwards because she wasn't able to come. And we took her some cupcakes and we brought the laptop to show her the pictures of, of everything that happened and to share the joys. She can blow out a candle, but she still isn't potty trained. But we're trying. And it's not fun. And so we're there and she's excited and she has an accident on Gigi's reclining chair and Jenna and I just lose it. You go from this moment of experiencing the greatness and the things that you think are like God is here in this moment and and then you go to this as, as little and as trivial as it is the accident that happens on Gigi's chair where she sits and I'm frantically running around for paper towels and trying to clean it and we don't know if we're going to tell Gigi or not. Oh, we sit in the other room, Gigi. (laughs) And we have this moment where we just get, why can't you get this? This moment of anguish and sorrow. And and this, this thing that just goes like this, 
that we all experience. We all have these moments of just joy and elation where we know the hand of God is moving and we just feel his presence and we're surrounded by people who love us and it's just full of joy. But then we have those moments where we're wondering where he is. Where are you? Why have you not shown up? We need you to be here right now. We need you to move. And the thing that I, that I cling to is I mean, that song is still reverberating in my head is the fact that when I'm crying over these things, so is he. And he looks down and he goes, I get it. I'm sorry. I hate that you're having to experience this. I love you through this. In moments that that parents are experiencing in Connecticut that I can never imagine. Man, how I want them to hear his voice. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. But I'm coming. I'm coming to stop this. I'm coming to bring restoration to all things. I'm coming to end death. I'm coming to end violence. I'm coming to end disease. I'm coming to end hunger. I'm coming to end these things. Now the day and the time, I don't know. Jesus said only the Father knows. Not the Mayans. Not some other preacher. But God. But in the meantime, what he allowed us to do was to access the kingdom of heaven right now. In the meantime, before he comes and brings final restoration to all things, he said, you have the power. You have the power to do greater things than even I have done. And Advent is the celebration of the baby Jesus coming 2,000 years ago, yes. But it is the celebration of the coming of the kingdom of heaven right now. Right here, right now. So that the darkness that exists in Connecticut today no longer exists. Because we have taken up the cross. Because we, the body of Christ, have taken upon ourselves to move into this world. The light of these candles cannot contain the light of Jesus Christ. It is so much greater than that. Because we hear the words of John the Baptist. You have an extra coat? Give it to somebody. You have extra food? Feed them. It is on us to bring the cross. It is on us to bring the light of Christ. It is on us to bring the love of God to a world that needs it. That is Advent. Advent is not a tree. Advent is not a calendar. Advent is not presence. Advent is the coming of the kingdom of God. Now look, I like my tree. And I like our Advent calendar. And I like getting presents. But man, I like so much more the idea that I get to play a role in the coming of the kingdom of heaven. That maybe, maybe if I allow God to move through me, that maybe if I open myself, myself up in such a way that, that, that I just allow the love of God to flow through me, that maybe evil has less of a place here. That maybe darkness is just a little less here. 
Not because of anything that I've done. But because of what he does through me. This is the season of Advent. Come. Experience the kingdom. Let us pray. God, we don't understand everything that happens in this world. Even though we are a big part of the cause of it. Forgive us, Lord, for those moments that we've taken our eyes off of you. We've taken upon ourselves to move in this world and and we focus only on ourselves. From time to time, Lord, we're all guilty of that. Forgive us of that. Help us to understand what it means when the kingdom comes. Help us to understand what it means to be a part of that movement of Advent. Help us to understand that we have the power dwelling inside of us to reach into a world of hurt and sorrow and darkness and to bring your love, your peace, your grace, your joy. Help us to understand, Lord, that Advent just isn't about you, that it's about us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that gift that we get to experience. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.